here with my co-host Emily. Two co-hosts together. Two co two hosts. <laughs> Emily, where are we? We're at Megan's apartment in California. Hi, Emily. Hi, Megan. Welcome to California. Thank you. It's beautiful here. Emily has flown out for a weekend. Mm-hmm. And we are the whole point of the trip, Emily, where are we going to Disneyland? Um, no, I wanted to. You said no. <gasps> I wanted to, and you said no. Besmirched. Okay, are we going to Universal? No. I wanted to. I know you wanted to. Are we going to the beach? No. What are we doing? We're going to have a podcast. Why are you saying it like you're sad? This was your idea. Are you not happy with your choices? Well, then you brought up some like Disneyland and Universal <laughs> Studio, and I'm like... I didn't know that was also an option. <laughs> it's always an option. But you guys, Emily is here because we are going to super record Words of Radiance over the next two days. So we're going to record and then she's going to read the next thing and we're going to record and she's going to read the next thing because we're in part five. I'm being tormented. Tormented alive. Because <laughs> I can't read the rest. Like I can't go further than the assignment each week and... Uh, we, we like blazed through the middle half in order to get ready for Dragon Con, yeah. Dragon Steel Con. And then life happened and we just haven't and it stopped. Well, it's also because, because we did the super blazed Dragon Steel Con, we had a huge backlog of this, mm-hmm. but we had, uh, been lackadaisical recording our other projects. Yes. So it's not that we've been faffing around doing nothing. Mm-hmm. We recorded the entirety of The Guest with our guest, Dilly. We did. We've started one to watch. Mm-hmm. And we finished season two of Roswell. Yes. So you know what? We're no- busy Noble people. sacrifice. We did it. <laughs> Today, listeners, we are finishing off part four. We are talking about chapter 72, Selfish Reasons. Chapter 73, A Thousand Scurrying Creatures. Chapter 74, Riding the Storm. And Chapter 75, True Glory. Emily, at first brush, I know you've been holding it in. What have you been thinking about these chapters? Oh, they're so good. Oh, they're so good. Oh, they're so good. What happened? Oh, uh, Kaladin... And Shallan have to survive by their wits. Kaladin is gravely injured. There's no sill. I haven't seen pattern. Uh, the high storm is coming. They're trapped in a chasm. Uh, so many bad things are happening. Listen, I, I know there's been a bit of a gap. We have seen pattern while they're down in the chasms. Oh, okay. Um, Shallan has just asked him to stay quiet. Because there's a moment she's like, what would the bridgeman think of if he heard her dress buzzing? Mm-hmm. Yes. Uh, speaking of things that I missed, uh-huh. I have to apologize to you. To me, personally, yes. I'm listening. <laughs> because you were right. <laughs> About? <laughs> so we just released uh, the... Oh, hi, Taco. We just released the episode Azirona. I can't remember. I think episode 46 or whatever. And in it... <laughs> Meg was just like, so what did you think about this particular thing? And, and and I was like, well, I guess that 
Gavilar came back to, you know, bring the gods back. And that's why the Voidbringers were so mad. And she's like, you did not guess that. And I got very defensive in the episode because I 100% <laughs> thought that I had guessed that. But upon further reflection of myself, I am 100% sure I did not guess that. Brandon wrote this? No, Emily wrote this. <laughs> so I want to apologize publicly. Thank you. That Your apology is accepted. There you go. Um... So, yes, we have seen Pattern in it, but we definitely don't see him once Shallan summons her shard blade. Mm-hmm. He's, and, and we don't see him during the chasm fight right. at all. Taco, what's up? Do you want to be on the podcast? Oh, okay. Come here. We've got a bed for you. So Taco, while we're, while we're Meg's working with him, um, famously doesn't really like anyone but Megan. Not in a mean way. He just... He just doesn't acknowledge other people. I woke up this morning to several pictures on my phone that Megan took of me while I was sleeping, and Taco was curled up next to me. And when you got here, he ran over to you to be petted. And he woke you up this morning so you could pet him some more. (laughs) I think he missed, because we stayed with Emily for a long time last year, Mm -hmm. and I think he really misses you, my beloved. And before we get started, can you read me the epigraph of 72? Mm Mm-hmm. I suspect that he is more a force than an individual now, despite your insistence to the contrary. That force is contained and an equilibrium reached. So this letter, as you remember, is the reply to Hoyt's letter in the Mm -hmm. last book. And this is talking about... uh, Do you know what? We're, We're at the end of part four. So... At the end of this recording, I will read you the entirety of this letter so you can have it all together, and then we'll, we'll talk more about it. All right. Okay, so where we left off last time, <laughs> a literal cliffhanger, <laughs> so Shallan has summoned a shard blade. Yeah, 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 she, so um, Kaladin's going to be all noble and going to go off and fight the Chasm Fiend, and she's like, well, at least take this. Yeah. And then... Boom, Shardblade's there. Like, that's the end of the last chapter that, that we, we podcasted about. Uh-huh. Sorry, the reason why I waved my hand in the air is I thought you were jumping directly into the fight. And I was like, oh. no, they talk first. <laughs> yeah. Because Emily, he, so she summons the Shardblade and it's like pointing past his head. Uh-huh. And when he turns back to talk to her, his cheek touches the blade. And what does he hear? Nothing. No screams. He froze, cautiously raised a finger and touched the cold metal. Yeah, so Kaladin thinks this is a very bad sign because the other times he's touched a shard blade since bonding with Zill, what they do? He hears screaming. Yep. And now, <gasps> like when Zeth closes his eyes, he hears screaming? Do you know what? Maybe? Maybe. What's Rayfell on Does that the, one? Is the shard blade not as sentient as night blood, I would think? But maybe it's the the shard blades are sad for the purposes they've been put to use. That's write that in your journal. <laughs> uh, but also, something's different because before Kaladin heard screams and now not. And you, at this point already, you told me that you have a theory about what's happening with this friend. Yes. Um, so, and I don't want to say it. Say it <laughs> out loud. <laughs> Spread fire. (laughs) (laughs) So when Kaladin fell, uh, you know, something happened to Syl. The the 
you know, he's been warned that he will kill her. And I think it's in these chapters that he talks to the storm father about it. Uh-huh. Okay, so we'll get to that. I'm afraid he's done something to Syl. And I was worried because I'm like, I have, I don't remember seeing Pattern. Mm-hmm. And you had assured me that everything was fine. Yeah, look, he's the chapter header. He's the chapter header. But I'm just like, in like circumstances of like great peril to themselves, what if Radiance reached out to like siphon off Stormlight from the Spren? And... What if that's what happened to Yasna? So <laughs> she did that to Ivory. Yeah. So to to state your theory, mm-hmm. Kaladin killed Sill to save himself falling into the castle. But it was re- he didn't know what he was doing. Yeah, and 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 we've seen, and we'll get to this with the Stormfather, where Kaladin's like, I didn't mean to. Yeah, but well, if the Stormfather would send teachers to people instead of just being like, oh. You did it wrong, and you did it the wrong way, and I don't like it, so I'm taking your powers from you. Uh, are you saying that if people don't have the requisite information to be their thing, then they can't do a good job? They could do a... I'm not saying they can't do a good job. They could do a better job, and they could maybe prevent terrible accidents from happening. Because the Knowledge guy, is power. The guy's just like... I mean, we'll get there, but... <laughs> I know. <laughs> <laughs> We're just jumping ahead. We're just like, ooh... I'm going to punish you for this. And I'm just like, he just... <laughs> Kaladin's like a responsible dude. If he had known that was a possibility, I think maybe he would have been a little more cognizant. And so, anyways, I'm mm-hmm. mad. I'm mad about that. And I'm worried and I'm scared. And I... I so, jumping back to Wendell and Lyft, back in their mm-hmm. interlude. Uh, some Spren have a plan to, like, teach the person that they've chosen. Yes. And... Uh, Wendell comes from a whole group of Spren who are doing these plans and stuff. And I think Syl says, I'm going to stop because I don't remember if she... Yeah. So Syl has said that, that she disobeyed to come to Kaladin. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yep. Which is... Does that explain why she has... It's taken her much longer to become like her own quote-unquote person? Maybe. Okay. And maybe we'll see other cryptics. Because Pattern... There's other cryptics that Pattern knows about. Mm-hmm. So we'll see if we find any more honor sprint. All right. Maybe we'll just have to settle for two cryptic sprint instead. Uh, so quick question. When Kaladin's looking at the blade and he's kind of just, you know, thinking about what it looks like in his head, it says it glowed softly the color of garnet along several faint lines down its length. Do other storm blades... Shard swords? <laughs> so stupid. Emily... You're getting a sparkly Rafo for this, though, okay. because none of the other sharp blades we've seen have glowed. Yeah. In yeah. fact, it was like a point when we first, like, when we saw Gavilar's blade in the in the previous whatever. You know. <laughs> that, no, we have, we have not seen. I honestly cannot remember if there's another one that glows or not. Okay. Listeners, I'm going to say, I think there's one other glowing shard blade we've seen so far in the series, but I don't want to say which one, just in case. You know. You understand. (laughs) Hey, how did Shalon get a shard blade? Did we? (laughs) I don't think we. (laughs) (laughs) When you edit, can you please leave that gap in there? We haven't seen it. No. It hasn't been in any of her flashbacks. No. And we've got her last flashback. Like, the, 
next thing that happens, like we don't have any more of those Shalon flashbacks. The next thing that happens is she gets on a boat to go find Yasna. Yeah. So I'm wondering if it's one of the things because Shalon's deal is kind of to dissociate and not think about unpleasant things. And she's been not hesitant. She's been hesitant to pull it, the, the, the shard blade out because one, you know, she's really not supposed to have it. And so I'm wondering if its origins are also kind of that same thing of like, she just doesn't think about it. Yeah. So I think she's had it for a while. Uh I just think like we as the readers haven't been told this is how it happened. (laughs) What? Brandon doesn't tell me when people have secret (laughs) wives. Well, Shalad's got a secret shard. Anyway, anyway. So Kaladin asks how and she goes it's not important (laughs) (laughs) and he's like yeah yeah so i love that they're in the middle of they're in danger their lives are in danger and kaladin still has curiosity he still wants to learn he's a smart smart dude and i i love that that curiosity is just like such an integral part of who he is even like in this impossible situation (laughs) So, poor Kaladin, because he is so tall, he's a lightning rod for shard blades. <laughs> Everyone keeps trying to give Kaladin a shard blade, and he's like, no, 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 no. And this time he's like, okay, okay, this because, time. <laughs> yeah, he's like, it's different. He wasn't choosing to become a full shard bearer. He's only going to use this to protect someone's life. Mm-hmm. So, I will protect those who cannot protect themselves. Here's the thing, though. At least this told him one thing. Shalon wasn't likely to be a surge binder. Otherwise, he suspected she'd hate this blade as much as he did. Once again, 100%. This is like when they both crashed out in the chasm and both of them are like, I must have saved the other person. <laughs> knowledge is so important and lack of knowledge is is bad for these poor characters. Is that what it is? It's bad? It's bad. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> I wanted to go to Disneyland. (laughs) (laughs) So I just finished doing this huge storyboard project for the Magnus Archives. Amazing project. Took me two years and ten weeks. (laughs) Two years of like working on it on and off. And then just like the last ten weeks I buckled down and finished. And I want to storyboard so much of the Stormlight Archives so badly. (laughs) And this fight is one of them. This is one of them. This chasm fiend fight is one of the things I want to do. Ugh. I won't. But I want to. I love that Kaladin... Okay. I want to say Kaladin's not a rule follower. He is, but he's not like strictly... like, Like the justice dude. But he knows that there is a way things are done. And so when she's like, here, use my shard blade. And he's like... Only the king is supposed to lend out his shard blade. She's like, great, report me. I don't care. Use it. Like, <laughs> and then also, like, two seconds later, she's like, actually, could you not? Yes. Like, that was a joke. I don't want people to know it. I don't think I'm supposed to have it. Yeah. And then yeah. Kaladin very truthfully says, nobody would believe me anyway. <laughs> oh. So, Kaladin's like, oh, we're, I'm going to fight this thing, get us out of the way. And Sean's like... Sean. <laughs> She's Shout like, out to Stormpod with Sean and Kalajak stuck in the chasm. <laughs> so with this uh, project Meg did, she did an all couple all-nighters? Yeah. Yeah. So she's still catching up on her sleep schedule, and I am going to 
try not to make too much fun of them. I wanted to go to Disneyland. <laughs> <laughs> Don't make me regret this. My sister's <laughs> making me do this. <laughs> We did. We've tried to to record this episode several times, and then yeah. I've I've canceled. She's canceled. So yeah. Hi, buddy. Yeah. Come here, Taco. Come here. I don't know what he wants. You cleaned out the litter box. I cleaned out the you litter box. Fed them. I vacuumed the floor. He loves lying on the clean carpet. Do you want attention? You've had two different kinds of snacks. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, Shalon is trying to get Kaladin to come back <laughs> to steer the chasm feed over to her sketchbook, her satchel. Yes, yes, because she she needs something from it, and Kaladin's kind of like, is this the time? Now, here's the thing. She says, I need it to dot, dot, dot. Well, the sketches in there show the pattern of the shattered planes. I'll need that to help Dalinar. Please just do it. I would like to pause it. That is not what she was going to say. I, I mean, I agree. Yeah, I yeah, don't think so. That's... I'm, I'm wondering if she wants the, um, the sketches that she uses to kind of send out the, the mm-hmm. hologram images. Her book of disguises. Yeah. Anyway, uh, it's time for a monster fight. Monster fight. Uh, the beast lurked in the shadows. No, it was a shadow, an enormous looming shadow, long and eel-like, lifted above the floor of the chasm and gripping the walls with its legs. So, like, it's like Shelob at that point, in where it's just, like, creeping along the top, and poor Frodo slash Kaladin is, like, underneath. Yeah, and Kaladin's like, how do I even kill something like this? So, compare this to, I'm going to compare this fight a lot to the first Chasm Fiend fight we saw. With, with Dalinar. Yeah, three people in full plate of blade up on top of the chasm. It took a lot. Yeah. Ooh. Yeah, and, and here's the thing that I that I really love about Kaladin, and I think this is why a lot of other people love him too, is that it's impossible, impossible odds. Like, there's no way this should work at all. Even with the assistance of, like, a magical sword. Like, mm-hmm. it just shouldn't work. But instead of turning tail and running, he's just like, I'm going to give it my best. Yep. So, Kaladin is fighting at an extreme disadvantage here with no Stormlight. No Stormlight at all, yeah. And that's, like, frustrating for him. But we knew that Kaladin was a good soldier and a warrior even before he got it. Yeah. So. Ugh. He drops the sword, and mm-hmm. he uh, does make mention that if it were his shard blade, it would have vanished into mist. Mm-hmm. But because Shalon is the one who's extended it to him, mm-hmm. it'll stay um, until she dismisses it. Yeah. So he's he's doing okay. That's not true. No. Uh, he gets really stabbed in the leg. Yeah, the thing actually, like, bites his leg. <laughs> and Callum's like, he just bit my leg off. I'm not going to have a leg anymore when I look down. Yeah. And it's bad because no stormlight to heal this leg. Yeah, yeah. He's, yeah, nope, it's not good. Uh, so, oh! I love that he's he's listing, like, uh, he couldn't see bone, the numbness was from shock, his mind had gone analytical and focused on the wounds, that wasn't good. He needed the soldier at the moment, not the surgeon. You can be both of them, baby. Anyway, <laughs> uh, Kaladin... Is lurching away. His boot squishes. <laughs> That's what I was going to say. The leg worked, kind of. His boot squished as he stepped. Yuck. Yuck. Uh, I was watching Into the Woods this week, mm-hmm. the the Broadway show, and the scene 
where the prince pours all the blood out of the oh, shoe. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Ugh. Well, as he's trying to get back to his sword, he hears Shallan going, Hey! Hey! What was that fool woman doing? Waving her hands like a maniac. How had she even gotten past him? Mm-hmm. She yelled again. Hey, Emily. I would posit that's a hologram. I would agree with you 100%. <laughs> but of course, the chasm fiend is going to attack this Shallan hologram. And Kaladin's like, I gotta protect her! <laughs> being so frustrated i'm just like how many times is this person almost going to die because and i think at this point um it's it's still a little bit about like this is adolin's mostly fiance like i can't let anything bad happen to her Uh like it's not official official yet yeah but like he's like well adolin and i are friends friends, you know i better not let his fiance (laughs) die pals homies amigos (laughs) woo woo so he is, he's in kind of his darkest, like, this is at the point where you're filming this fight. This scene is like the darkest before the dawn moment because mm-hmm. his leg is buckled. Um, he's down. He's dropped the, the blade. He's finally gotten it. And he sees a sphere in the pool of water. Mm-hmm. And he's like, this is it. This is, it's now Ride or never. die, yeah. And he tries to breathe in the stormlight. And it doesn't work. He hears weeping. And I wonder if that's ghostly Sill watching from afar being sad that she can't do anything. Do ghosts have spread? (laughs) Do spread have ghosts? He kills her twice and then she becomes a ghost spread, spread, ghost spread. And so what happens then is that another version of him pops up. Yeah. uh, To, you know distract the monster and Kaladin's like oh, I did it <laughs> also the other version of him stood above him sword raised larger than life it was bigger than him by half Whoa. so this is like a 10 foot Kaladin <laughs> and I would like to posit that because Shalon is so short <laughs> this is how she sees Kaladin <laughs> this is the way I see the world he's a freak <laughs> Anyway, but Kaladin once again is like, I did it. I did it. <laughs> I saved the day with my mysterious powers. Mm-hmm. And Shallan is hiding behind a boulder in shadow form. Mm-hmm. Everything around her is turned dark. Mm-hmm. And then she sees the chasm fiend fall on top of, of Kaladin. Yeah, and she's almost, I mean, I would do the same thing. She's like, he's dead. Mm-hmm. Pretty sure. Yeah. So no she, one. Yeah. Yeah. He's dead. Yeah. Yeah. She says here she needed to be close to the fighting for the illusions to work. So she's not close. Mm-hmm. Been better if she'd been able to send them on pattern, but that was problematic because. And then she interrupts herself because she gets in front of the the dead mm-hmm. the dead beast. Why couldn't she use pattern here? Where is he? Where is he, Megan? He's fine. He's in the scene. You just didn't see him. Okay. <laughs> but like, I don't like this. <laughs> I'm sensing a pattern. (laughs) (laughs) I'm sensing no pattern. All right. So she's like, oh, could you imagine if Kaladin had actually died here? I would have stopped reading the series. And then we could have gone to Disneyland. (laughs) (laughs) Kaladin, she called out. Her voice was frail in the darkness. 
Stop it, she told herself. No timidity. You're past that. So she's trying to even just, like, move the chasm fiend claw. But then she starts to see Spren rising from the head of the chasm fiend. Mm -hmm. We've seen these before, like trails of smoke that go up. But then she sees the bottom half of Kaladin's body (laughs) sticking out of the chasm fiend's (laughs) mouth. So what happened is, like, the chasm fiend had gone to, like, eat him. And he let it in order to stick the sword up through its brain. Like, I'm... I'm in awe of Kaladin because he's just kind of like, well, that's the way to do it. Like, And I'm so mad because Double-Edged Crown, the story I've been writing since I was 11. <laughs> in book three, there was a sea monster battle that ended the same way. And I wrote oh. this one when I was like 12. Like, this is one of the earliest scenes is somebody gets eaten on purpose so they can stab the thing in the brain. Mm-hmm. And then I was like, Brandon beat me too. <laughs> <laughs> I still might. <clears throat> So Shallan also realizes how bad uh, Kaladin's leg is and she starts having a memory of, she says it almost looked like blots and then it's just like dot, dot, dot. Kaladin wouldn't be walking on that leg anytime soon. And so here's the thing, which I, this is, okay. It's a great scene. There's some books, and I'm not going to say which one. There's, I'm not going to put that in there. <laughs> <laughs> Why not? <laughs> anyway, some books. There's, there's a book series that I love, and it's it's a great series, um, but I always feel like the battles get dragged on too long. Like, the main character fights this huge battle in order to prepare to go to the next big battle in order to prepare for the next big battle. Yeah, and this is interesting that you think that. Emily and I have exact opposite opinions on... I love the fight scenes in these books. Mm-hmm. And I like how long they are. Yeah. And I, they're too long for me. I usually just end up skimming them. And so I was surprised when I liked this because we've got through one terrible problem here. And you're just like, yay, they should be safe. But no, they still have to worry about the high storm that's going to come and wash everything down the down the chasm. Like, that is also something that is unsurvivable. The rains came down <laughs> and the floods came up. And Kaladin... I love where where Shalon is like, shouldn't you? And Kaladin's like, ugh, I've had far worse wounds than this. She raises an eyebrow at him. And he's like, I have. <laughs> this bad, she asked. How often? Twice, he admitted. What were the two times? I would say one of them's at the end of book one when he has all the arrows in his arm. arm. And I would guess the other time is when he got tied up in the high storm. Yeah. Yeah. I, well, I wonder if when when he got sliced through the arm with a uh, shard blade. blade. But it didn't last very long. Yeah. That one was like, <laughs> well, it took me, what, like 10 seconds? <laughs> uh, so we've got to try and get up out of the chasm. So they can climb the Chasm Fiend, which is at least 20 feet tall. <laughs> so two it's only two Illusion Kaladins tall. But then they have eight Illusion Kaladins that they would have to climb to get Left. up to the top. And I think normally that wouldn't be a problem for Kaladin. Like, he would be really, really tired. But he cannot, like, do anything with this leg at all. But they figure out something what they can do with the tools at hand. Oh, yeah. 
it's like the scene in Tangled. My hair glows when I sing. And then it's like the light bulb comes on and they realize they're surrounded by rock and they have a shard blade which can cut, cut stone. Rock. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And not only that, but Shalon's shard blade, besides glowing, can do a pretty cool thing. Yeah. It transforms. It transforms. So it goes from big, giant, unwieldy sword to like a much smaller knife size. Hey. Uh, what? Why? How? It's okay. Prophesy, witch. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. I, I'm assuming that's a, not a normal thing that no one else's blades can do that. It's just, yeah, we haven't seen anyone else who can do it. I think, okay, okay, this is going on a, a mini tangent, because I've, I've made a guess before that this, because a lot of my guesses were about, like, oh, being a radiant is hereditary, oh, you know, this is passed down through the bloodline, and I don't think that's true anymore, um, but I think that the original eight, nine, ten swords from the beginning. I'm sorry. <laughs> Um, I think this is one of those. I think it was like an original one and that people ended up trying to copy it. And they were able to, but the knowledge was lost because they can't do it anymore. And so the copies that most everyone has of the other shard blades are just like, it can do the basic stuff. Here's a sword. It disappears. You can call it in 10 heartbeats, that sort of Mm -hmm. thing. So uh, Shalon has a shard blade that is... Outside the norm. Mm-hmm. Who else have we seen with an outside the norm shard blade? Uh, Talanalat is back. That's not who I'm going for. Oh. Uh, where... Is, am I right, though? No. Well, I mean, sorry. <laughs> That's an obscure way of me saying we haven't seen enough of Talon's shard blade that he has to know if it, but it got is t- like this. Yeah, it got taken from him. Yeah, so we haven't seen that shard blade in action. We don't know how it behaves as a shard blade. Right, right. I'm saying... Who have we seen with a shard blade in action that characters in the book have called out, that's not a normal sword? Seth? Yeah. yeah okay. Sil had said there's something different about his shard blade, something about the amount of stormlight it takes to use it. Which apparently he has to use in an abnormal yes. amount. Yes. And that shard blade is what gives Zeth his powers because Zeth is not oh, getting his powers from a spren. From a spren. He gets okay. it from his sword. Oh, I was going to ask you that after listening to one of our last episodes. I'm like, well, how did they do it? Okay. Oh, also, we have not talked about there being more than one type of magic. I didn't know Axis the Collector could use magic. How did you think he was making tattoos magically appear on his body? I thought that was just what the race of people did. Like the horn eaters can see spread. <laughs> Sorry, I just sort of assumed that. (laughs) It's funny. I'll be abundantly clear. Stormlight is not the only magic Conroe shark. (laughs) That's brand new information for me. (sighs) I just assumed you would realize. Garner clues from what you were reading. You would put the pieces together that he didn't breathe anything in, and he magically made tattoos appear on his arm without using stormlight. I thought it was genetic. How am I not supposed to do that? But like, 
Okay, Taka, do you agree with me or with Emily? <laughs> He's on my side. Oh, he said me. He said me. <laughs> he was looking at me when he said it, though. It's so funny. Sometimes I'll go back and, you know, listen to our old episodes and I'll come up with a question. I just want to yell out my question because, like, your voice comes out of, you know, my phone. I'm like, surely she'll answer me. All right. I know I was just making fun of you. You're really good at these books. Thank you. And I want you to know you've done a big witch thing in this episode already. Already? Yeah. Okay. I'm going to message Ted about it when we're done. <laughs> so anyway, um, she holds the shard blade. She kind of is like wishing it would be longer. Thank you, she thought, and then cut out the next line of rock. Shorter. That one. Mm-hmm. And Kaladin's at the bottom cheering her on. I love that. So anyway, we're going to pause here. Okay. And have a little ship ship discussion. Okay. So there's only one bed. <laughs> <laughs> and by bed, I mean alcove. Yes. <laughs> uh, what were you thinking about this? Because I will tell you, my I, I remember my reactions to this very clearly. Mm-hmm. I was so mad <laughs> that after I'd put all this investment into Shalon and Adolin, mm-hmm. this felt like potential romantic Shalon Kaladin. Mm. And I'm like, Ugh, it's just because they're the main characters. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, going into the next chapter as well, they get into the history. So I don't want to call this a date. That's not what it is. Although she also watched this uh Storm, a high storm on her first date with Adolin. That's true. Um, But Kaladin gets her backstory, and he is so, I'm going to say enamored of her, Mm -hmm. just of how strong she is, and how he's like, what I've gone through doesn't, almost doesn't even matter. Mm -hmm. Like, she's, she's the strongest person I know, and he really comes to respect her here. Yeah. And I don't know if I feel like that's going to go towards a romantic crush mm-hmm. but i feel that you know he he hasn't seen her as anyone maybe worthy of like attention just because yeah. he has biases and everyone in this world has biases and you know but shalon has this whole inner rich hidden world that i think it's interesting that adolin has seen a glimpse of it mm-hmm. but kaladin is getting like the full view of it. Authentic show. Yeah. And she gets his backstory as well. But he and realizes. Oh, <laughs> yeah. We'll get to that. <laughs> so I... It was a brother. <laughs> I, I, I... Okay, I feel like I said it up. The, I was so annoyed about this. Only because I love really solid friendships in books Mm -hmm. and I didn't want this to be romantic because I really so we just finished the guest and Mm -hmm. there's not a central love story in the guest I kept waiting for it to pop up and I was relieved when it didn't yeah because a lot of times it feels like romance is the default Mm -hmm. um in storytelling when two people speak to each other for more than five minutes you're like this is gonna be a love story Mm -hmm. and as someone who loves Fleabag, I don't mind <laughs> if this is a love story. Um, but sometimes you're like, I just, I would like it to be something light, something fresh. fresh. And 
Yeah, so keep an eye out on whether this is friendship or romance. I'm I'm not torn because I love Adolin and Schlott. Uh-huh. I shipped them before they even knew each other. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah, I I think it's interesting how you said like there are no real deep friendships in in entertainment. It's end game is romance. Mm-hmm. And I think it's a really refreshing take of just like two people can be friends and be bonded together over yeah, killing a troll in the bathroom All on right. Halloween. <laughs> so, uh there's a bit where Shalon cuts all the handholds and she climbs up to the top. Mm-hmm. And there's a moment where Kaladin's like, I think I'm going to stay down here. I know. She's so angry. <laughs> she's like, absolutely not. If I have to carry you myself. And I would have loved an ever after style yeah. scene here. But uh, it happens so fast. I was expecting. I mean, I don't know why I was surprised. Because like the you can see the wall of water like come. And it's not just like. It's little sprinkles. It goes from zero to a hundred. And so, of course, all the water that's been gathering is coming down the canyon. Mm-hmm. And so I don't know why I was just like, well, that happened so fast. But, like, they have to just, like, climb. So were I to storyboard this, <laughs> because I have uh, zero self-control or restraint, I would do the entire Chasm Fiend fight... And the climbing up to the alcove and mm-hmm. then stop there. Would you just write subtitles or would you do voice acting over it? Oh, I have so many cool friends that are actors. I'd, I'd like them to do it. I actually recorded voice actors for my old Kaladin Stormlight boards and I just ended up never using them. Mm-hmm, okay. Shout out to my friend Eric, who did a great Teft. <laughs> <laughs> and also a shout out to my friend John Madison, I recorded him for a Dresden Files animatic like five years ago, and I never did anything with it. So, John, I'm sorry. I'll put you in a thing someday. But, um, yeah, if we do the Zeth boards, I'm probably going to ask John to voice Zeth. Nice. It's only like two lines, <laughs> but I do it. And I want my friend Jared Lasada to play Gabler. Ooh. Uh, if any of you are in Utah... You need to check out the West Valley Community Theater's production of Into the Woods, where Jared is playing the baker. This isn't going to come out for like a long Emily. Time. I need you to go, go see, see Into the Woods and support him for me. Okay, okay. I'll do that. Thank you. Thank you. You're He's welcome. really talented. I believe you. He played Tim in Doommates. <gasps> me too. Who Tim reminds me of? Who? Rutherford. <laughs> Do you know what? Yeah! Yeah! You guys, if any of you look at my old... It's so funny. I designed this character and loved him so much. I used him as two things. Uh He's my Fiero design. Uh And he's my uh, Minion Tim design from my old web series, Doommates. That's not on the internet anymore. Don't look for it. And he looks like Like Rutherford. Rutherford. From Lower Decks. Yeah. (gasps) Lower Decks got renewed for season five, five. officially. And season four, the first season that I directed, is coming out. This summer. Anyway, let's go to a sad flashback of okay. a thousand scurrying creatures. Okay. So, brief overview of this chapter. The last day alive for Shalon's 24 dad. hours <laughs> remain. Yeah. Um, so, this is kind of... They have been 
the kids in House Devar have been uh, planning their escapes, their different, you know, ways they're going to get out. They've had to be very sneaky about this. Um, and it it made me sad as I'm reading it. I'm like, they've had to be so careful. They've had to be so, you know, smart about this. They have to, you know, not tip off any, they don't, they can't tip off any, anything for their dad to pick up on. And like the most dangerous time in like an abusive relationship is when you try to leave. Like that's when it's, the most dangerous and I've recently been reading like some stories about like polygamous wives who have escaped and things like that and just like how if an opportunity shows up like they had been preparing for months for this and like siphoning off their kids medication so that they would have enough to like take with them when they left and stuff like this and just like oh this whole thing is just it's t- this was such a scary chapter to me. Yeah. This was one, like, Chasm Fiend was kind of like, ooh, exciting, like, ooh, fighting, blah, blah, blah. But <laughs> I'm not laughing at you. I'm imagining. Sounds like you are. No, I'm imagining those storyboards that I'm picturing in my head. <laughs> and it's Kaladin fighting. But the audio is you going, ooh, Chasm Fiend, ooh, exciting, la, 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 la. <laughs> I'll do it. <laughs> It's low on the list. Okay, listen. <laughs> Listeners, if I had my way and the time and the money to live in Los Angeles while I did all this fan art, only one of these is ever going to happen because Marie and I are working on uh, Assassin in White together. Ooh. And I owe it to her to finish. I'm not going to let her down. Yeah. <laughs> but I would like to do Kaladin Speaks the First Ideal, mm-hmm. which uh, over <laughs> arcs over like three different chapters. <laughs> And Tien's death? Nope, absolutely not. Yeah, so that one's huge, and that was the one I would tackle next. The fully disadvantaged duel, this, and then some stuff in Oathbringer, but we'll get to that. Okay. And also maybe some stuff in this. If I could just direct (laughs) the television series, though, then I wouldn't have to do fan art squirreled alone in my cave by myself. (laughs) I could have a whole team, and we could do it together. So, Brandon... Who listens to our podcast? Uh, welcome. <laughs> right in. <laughs> <sighs> also, speaking of Brandon. Yep. Um, so this is about the time in real world life that the Wired.com article came out. And we won't talk very much about it. I'm sure you guys have all heard it. But it was, it was so interesting to me because this article comes out that's very mean-spirited and just awful and blah, blah, blah. And then... Brandon's response was so classy, classy, but there were so many people that came out of the woodworks with wonderful stories about Brandon Sanderson and how nice a person he is. Like just the cool stuff he's done for fans, the way he treats fellow authors, like this man should have an ego the size of the sun. But he's just this... He should have an ego the size of the Stormlight Archive books. (laughs) But he's just... This unassuming person who just does what he loves. Like, I'm so happy he's found this success. Mm-hmm. And I don't know. It was just, it's been fascinating to watch mm-hmm. everyone's response because usually when something happens, people like to come out and be like, oh, well, I know this person and here's the terrible thing they also did, which backs up this article. Mm-hmm. And they're just, everyone's like, no, no, 
No. That article's stupid. Yeah. Uh, Esquire also released an article a couple days later. That one's really good. That one's lovely. Because there are areas where it does dive into past criticisms of Brandon, of both his work and, like, some of his personal choices, but, like, honestly explores it and talks about the different facets of a person instead of just trashing on someone because they're famous and had a really good Kickstarter. Yeah. The one thing I want to say about the Wired article is Brandon himself did not make those $55 million. Like, that money is not just in his bank account. Like, <laughs> do people not understand how Kickstarters work? You get money to create a product. You don't get to, like, keep that money and spend it on whatever you want. They've got to package the boxes and print the books and pay everyone who's working in the warehouse. Mm-hmm. Anyway. Well, because... And taxes! <laughs> taxes! <laughs> Stupid taxes. So I need to do mine. Because um, while I'm out here in California, I brought Megan's latest uh, Cosmere box. Yeah! And the box has, you know, the, the logo printed on it. It's a fancy box. It's, I couldn't open it. It was too fancy. But like on the inside, like she got a, you know, like a little mo- a little desk toy. And it didn't just come in like a little plastic bag. It came in like a really nice foam. Vacuum packed foam. Vacuum packed foam. Like like they are giving you product that you spent your money on like it's mm-hmm. well well done stuff so i cannot wait for my brotherwise stormlight miniatures because i got the fanciest tier mm-hmm. i'm getting all the minis mm-hmm. and then there is a special statue that is a pair of bookends Ooh. and i cannot tell you what it is okay but it's the final find of words of radiance <gasps> as really nicely painted bookends. Is it not this? Uh, there's These no piles figures? of bodies. Okay. <laughs> Wait, and then when we read those, I will show you the chapter of the stuff. Okay, cool. And the things. All right. <laughs> I just turned to look at the cover on my book. And I've got the hardcover and my dust jacket's off. So, uh, again, we're going back to, to Shalon and everything, and what happens is their father um, is very smart and very conniving and he has figured out what's going on and the whole okay this is interesting because the whole chapter has this very flat veneer to it and it's because Shalon is telling the story with very little emotion because I mean she finds the body of her stepmother that their dad has freshly killed you know Balot's leg gets mangled beyond all description like but she's just stating what happens just cutting herself off from it and I think it was a great way to kind of because this would have been a really intense chapter anyway but to have kind of that like wall there kind of gives it this weird weird feeling and I really liked it if I were in charge of directing (laughs) would you do it black and white no But anytime Shalon disassociates from the scene, I would keep her off camera as much as possible. Mm-hmm. Not that we would have point of view from her eyes, but mm-hmm. just like we would only see her hands or her back would be to the, oh. the camera and we just would not see her emotions in the scene at all. That's really cool. <laughs> I'm not going to get to do. <laughs> There's, listen, I recognize there are hundreds, nay, thousands of creatives who want to show run the Stormlight Archives. And I don't think it'll be me, but I would really like Love it. to. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Anyway, um, so the thing that gets all this started, Father has summoned Elita to their house, which is Balat's beloved, beloved, his his non-beloved, <laughs> because they're planning on taking her 
and the lot and the stepmother and, and fleeing. Yeah. And not only is she summoned to the house, but father is alone with Alita and her handmaid in the hall. So like dad has a hostage. Yeah. And Balot goes after her to save her. Hey, how have your thoughts on Balot changed since his first interlude? This is a tricky one. Yeah. It's really tricky because he gave me just the creeps, mm-hmm. you know, just seeing this one one side of him, you know, basically torturing animals. But you also made me think about, like, this is the way he copes and this is the only way he knows how to cope with all of this pain. So I, I think I understand a little bit better why he does what he does. Mm-hmm. I still don't like it. Was he forced to do what he does? No. Listen, I think... Sorry, we yelled about some stuff <laughs> off off mic for a while yesterday. So I was actually going to bring that up with, with Zeth sort of a thing. But, like, like I feel bad for him. Uh-huh. This is going to make me sound so judgy. I feel bad for Balad. I don't like what he does, and I don't like him as a person. So I feel bad for Zeth. Uh-huh. I do not like what he does. He is not my poor little meow meow. <laughs> this is so funny because in our Discord earlier, we were having people talk about Zeth versus, you know, like other other characters in the thing. And I still am like, I know he feels bad about killing all those people. That doesn't undo killing all those people. Well, I don't think that's... You think killing people will make them like you, but it doesn't. It just makes people dead. I also don't think he thinks saying sorry is going to absolve him. Right, all right, all right. <laughs> I, I agree. I agree with you. Um, we'll, we'll just have to see what happens. We'll see if he makes it past the pile of bodies or not. <laughs> Um, so one of the things that set the dad off is he finds out they're leaving. Like he has found out, like basically his family is betraying him, which in his eyes, appearance is everything. And they would have ruined the appearance of what's going on. Um, but he also finds out that Helleran is dead and he tells everyone and it, it devastates Shalon. The words threaten Shallan's cold calm. Like, she loves her brother. But this is just one more piece of information added to this horrible night that she's not going to deal with. Like, it just kind of gets thrown in a pile of, like, I will deal with this later. This isn't funny. Father is, is, sorry, um, Balat charges father with his sword. Can you stop? No, let her do it. Well, it picks up on the mic. That's all right. It's just going to be a cat-filled episode today. We're going to just have to deal with it. The clawing noises you hear is Olivia having fun with the scratching post. Um, Balat's attacking Father, and he can't do it. And Balat is crying, and Father's talking about how useless he is. Mm -hmm. And he picks up a poker and starts uh, punctuating his words. And every time he does, he hits Balat with it. So why smack, can't smack, you, smack, do, anything, right, and the reason why I giggled just now, listeners, is I remember this Tumblr post mm-hmm. that I quote with my sister Mikhail all the time. And it's like me inside of a witch's stew as she's hitting me with her wooden spoon. Stop. Smack. Eating. Smack. The potatoes. <laughs> <laughs> nice. <clears throat> so this is bad. Like, Balat's uh, leg is getting real broken mm-hmm. with a poker. Yeah. And... Um, 
I'm very excited for you to read this book again, all in one go. Mm-hmm. Typically, something happens in the chapter preceding each of Shallan's flashbacks that is actually a trigger for what she's remembering. Oh. Kaladin's leg is what leads her to remember <gasps> this scene. That's amazing. Yeah. That's amazing. Um, and I don't, I don't remember all of the others, but you can go through, like, the stuff with Tin sends her to her childhood again. And so, like, mm-hmm. every flashback Shalon has, if you read her chapter preceding it, there is something in there that kind of opens up this memory of hers. Cool. That's awesome. So, okay. I'm so excited to talk about this chapter. I'm excited to talk about all the chapters. But what what she does is she, you know, Shalon is just being this cold, calm as a cucumber mm-hmm. sort of a thing. And she's like, here's some wine, Father, like... You know, you've won. You don't need to do anything else. Well, she's poisoned him. With what? With the black bane that Willem? Chekhov's black bane. (laughs) (laughs) Had given her years ago. And she's like, it just gets more potent. potent. And it's interesting because, I don't know the statistics on this, but from what I understand, most poisoners are female. Yes. And I just liked that she did that. Because it's a cleaner easier way of killing mm-hmm. well there she goes she killed her dad well here's the thing so wickham seems absolutely horrified by what's happened in even after all of this like bala is laying bloodied on the floor all the things that their dad has done to them their whole lives and you know wickham's like you 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 killed him and shalon's like well there's the body of our stepmother on the floor like that's what she did, and he, Wickham goes back to... He's in shock. I, yeah. I get that, but just, like, you killed him. And and just the idea of, like, that they could be free, I don't think has... Yeah. Like, it's just in the moment of shock. They have not thought through the implications of this. But Shalon did the only thing that was going to stop her dad. Uh-huh. She was the only one who could do anything. She saved her family. Here's the thing, though. She didn't kill him all the way the she first time. She didn't kill him all the way the first time. Uh, so they're investigating father's body. Mm-hmm. And we've seen the broken soul caster. And yeah. it broke because that's what Balat hit with his sword. Yeah. So that's how the soul caster got broken from, mm-hmm. from book one. I love all the, the pieces coming into place. And father is like, sorry, Wickham is kneeling next to dad. Mm-hmm. He's still breathing. It didn't kill him. It just paralyzed him. And Shalon is like, we need to finish the job. And none of her older brothers. I am so angry at her brothers. Because they just let other people take care of their problems. I understand they've grown up in an abusive home. Like, listen, I'm not blaming them for not being able to do this. But I just find it interesting that the hard things that need to be done, they are willing to just let their baby sister do it. And what is the final murder weapon it is the uh necklace that father gave her made out of silvery links links and she wraps it around him and jabba the huts him like i'm sorry she whispered unhooking her necklace thank you for what you did for me which was what which was what we'll probably never know not not hurt her he he did not take his anger out on her but i don't think that's what she's Thank you. Put a pin in that. Put a pin in that. Rafo pin in that. Um, I 
wanted to touch briefly on female rage uh-huh. and how a, l- a lot of TV shows kind of make it the unhinged Regina George Regina screaming. George yeah yeah when in reality a lot of women females are taught to keep it inside so that when it it when they are angry it's this calm cold mm-hmm. very tight control and I I saw this at least when Shalon was was strangling her dad of just like mm-hmm. this quiet inner strength to do what she did and now I want to I want to zoom in and specify a little bit that this uh, conceal it don't feel it is very specifically uh, white American lady rage. Yes. yes. That like internationally and even with like different uh, minorities like in subcultures in America that's not always how it is. Mm-hmm. And so when people do express their rage in a different way it gets like spoken down of. But I love the gone girl female rage that you're talking yeah. about because I've literally live, lived that. I was at a Zoom meeting just like two weeks ago and somebody said something that I thought was just moronic. And then I just sat in my chair and was like, conceal it, don't feel it, destroy the flavor. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, Shalon's got it. Mm-hmm. She's got the rage. But. Yeah. Oh, so she killed her dad. And that was the big truth that she told Yasna, no, that she told the cryptics about at the end of the last Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. thing. So, Emily, now that we find out how it happened, uh, I think I had asked you to predict how Shalon killed her dad and what happened. Yeah. I don't remember what you said. I don't remember what I said either. I wasn't this. I wasn't that good of a witch. Yeah. But, uh, sheesh. Well, it's interesting because, like, Brandon goes into detail without going into detail. Like, again, there's there's a veneer of that disassociation where, like, you would think that Shalon puts her on her neck and hit, puts the chain around his neck, pulls. I would think that she would look away as she was doing this. But Brandon talks about, like, she watches what happens. She watches her dad. She's with him until the end. And that in itself is real creepy. Yeah. Yeah. A little murder child. Yeah. So she, this happened when she was really recent. So she was like 16 or 17 here. Mm-hmm. Did it say how long ago it was? It said it was a year ago. Yeah. Okay. And so that would have been just when Words of Radiance started. So she would have done this just in the the weeks before she started to try and catch Yasna. Yasna. Which I didn't see her dealing with it. Mm-hmm. I wonder if she is going to be dealing with it later on. Uh, I want to point one thing out before we, we leave this chapter. This is before that they know that dad is still alive. Uh, fathers, oh, because they're like, oh, his leg twitched. Oh, his finger spasm. Voidbringers, Yushu said. He looked up at the ceiling and at the raging storm. They're here. They're inside of him. It. And then it cuts off. And so I'm finding this frustrating about these books is that no one seems to really know what a Voidbringer is, but yeah. everyone knows that they're bad uh-huh. But I'm, I almost feel like this is almost like peasant talk. Yeah. Of like... Superstition. Superstition, yeah. And I'm just frustrated because I, I don't think that Yasna's correct about the listeners being the Voidbringers. How could you besmirch her dying wish? She is fine. She'll get over it. All right. Well, let's go hang out in an alcove okay. with a couple 
I was going to say proto-radiance, but I guess Kaladin's not one anymore. Yeah, yeah. Uh, So this is chapter 74, Striding the Storm. Give me Uh, the epigraph. You, however, have never been a force for equilibrium. You tow chaos behind you like a corpse dragged by one leg through the snow. That is a great... Yeah! (laughs) great visual. Evocative! Please hearken to my plea. Leave that place and join me in... There you go. Please. Would you stop? I'm trying to read this. Please, hearken to my plea. Leave that place and join me in my oath of (gasps) non-intervention. Wait, this is to Hoyd? This is to Hoyd. So Hoyd intervenes. Interesting. And whoever this is. Doesn't want him to do that. (gasps) That's not what I would have thought. I would have thought that Hoyd was trying to stop someone from doing something bad. Interesting. That would be intervening if he was trying to stop something. True. True. I'm intervening. I am <laughs> intervening. But they're able to, they're able to, Kaladin's able to crawl his way up in time, get into the alcove. And like, the thing is like, it's, it's hard work cutting all that stone out. And Shalon had to do a lot of it. And she was kind of too tired by the end of it to really make the alcove really deep enough. So they are just kind of like squished in there. Like they are right at the water line. Like the yeah. water will come in and lift them up and then try and drag them out. That's terrifying to me. Yeah. My stomach dropped when I read that. <laughs> just like that feeling of just like you're going like, out with the tide. In the ocean. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, so there's a bit where Kaladin's like, do you have... There's a sphere. You had a sphere with you for light. And she says, it's gone. I must have dropped it when I grabbed you. She's hiding the fact that she sucked all the stormlight out of it. Yeah. Anyway. But this is, okay. I loved this. Because, like. Talk about it. Because, okay, Kaladin does this thing where he just drops bombshells. Yeah. And they're so ridiculous sounding. I would tell the goblet of a thousand spears if I still that they were mine. And the thing is, like, he still gets mad that no one believes him. Like, his life is so weird. Of course no one believes you, but, um, uh, you know, Shalon is very, like, intrigued about, like, what's going on. You remember during her date with, with Adolin, she's like, oh, we could have stayed out for six more seconds. Like, ugh. So she's watching the storm, and they're talking about how weird it is. And, uh... She's like, you speak from experience. Sadius hung me out in one, he said. I was supposed to die. Um, and, like, he just, you know, casually, oh, yes, I survived a high storm. <laughs> if I ran the storm on our Grimm's TV show, we wouldn't, like, we wouldn't fade out, hear a song, and then, like, fade back in. Yeah. I think we would really watch Kaladin and Shalon telling these stories to mm-hmm. each other. Yeah, because she she asks to hear this, the story, and he's like, eh, maybe another time. And she's like, what other time is better than this? And so he does. He tells, um, he tells her everything. Like, she gets his whole backstory. She mm-hmm. gets to know Kaladin. Yeah. So the two of them pretty much tell each other all the flashbacks that we have seen. Mm -hmm. And he tells her a lot of book one um, about Bridge Four. He mentions Tavlakov. And she's like, (gasps) (laughs) (laughs) She apparently knew him, yeah. But, like, he he doesn't just tell her things that happened to her. He tells her how he felt about things. Like, Mm -hmm. she, she now knows about 
like his he calls it the nothingness like depression and like those episodes that he has um it's so funny because utah is going through a snowpocalypse it's supposed to it's supposed to be like our third biggest storm on like monday or tuesday and it's april and outside we've got people doing yard work in the sunshine (laughs) we are gonna keep talking through the yard work and i know that's not great sound quality but um we have a lot to cover yep and so uh he he tells he tells her his life the the bridge runs the everything but he doesn't tell her about sale that's too painful and i don't think he's ready to share that part with anybody i i was surprised he didn't ever share it with dalinar but it made sense after dalinar made amaram King of Radiance or whatever. Stupid error. But um, there's a couple of interesting things. Uh, Shalon gives her truth again. I killed my father. Now it's her turn to kind of reciprocate a story. Uh, Kaladin looked toward her and, and, well, he's holding her. They're both holding each other. And he mentions (laughs) uh, it was as close as he'd held a woman since Tara. Hey. Which we heard her name in book one. Uh-huh. One time-ish. Yep. She was not on the list of the dead. No. We heard her in a different different context. Yeah. And so I think it's interesting that we keep talking about, like, Shalon doesn't think about these terrible things. And Shalon keeps everything locked away. But, like, Kaladin kind of wears his heart on his sleeve. But yet he has, n- like, only mentioned this woman a couple of times. And so I'm intrigued to find out what that story is. But um, Shalon kind of spares no details, talks about, like, she strangled him, like, all of these things. And this is such an interesting take that Kaladin gives because as he's listening to Shalon, we kind of talked about this a little bit, but as he's listening to Shalon, he's just like, I couldn't have done what she did. Yeah. She is not so much better than me, but she is so much stronger than me. And I'm like, Kaladin, you survived terrible things. But yet, I don't know. I just find it interesting that he's so humble. I don't know if that's the word. Well, it's like you can't compare someone else's experience. Like, Shalon and Kaladin, she's gone through, I'd say, like, the emotional equivalent of Kaladin's physical torment from the first book. But he's also had, like, huge emotional, horrible things happen to him as Mm -hmm. well. That, like... Does he tell her about Tien? No, he just tells her about Bridge 4 and stuff. Oh, he tells her about Amaram. He tells her about, <gasps> he tells her yeah, about he does. Amaram. How do we skip that? Ooh. I want to say he talks about... I want to say he talks about Tien. Maybe he didn't. It says he talks about Amaram betrayed me. He made oh, me yeah. a slave to get a shard blade. You're right. You're right. And he tells about Tavlakov, Bridge 4, not Sill. So. so, quick amendation to what I said before. She tells him all the flashbacks we've seen in this book. And he tells her kind of the plot of book one. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, uh, Kaladin now knows he's killed Shalon's brother. brother. So this is why I think there won't be romance between Shalon and Kaladin. I mean, he didn't specifically go after Helleran being like, you're Shalon's brother and I'm going to murder you. It's just like, what a terrible, terrible coincidence. What an awful coincidence to just but you know before he even knew her before he knew anything that was going on yeah and so like how is 
how is he supposed to let her know that? Like, I don't... Here's the thing. I don't want to say he should never tell her. But I don't know what the circumstances would be for him to tell her. Unless the truth comes out about Amaram and then Shalon's smart enough to put it together. Uh, Before we get to Kaladin's vision of the Stormfather, which Mm -hmm. is happening pretty soon. Okay. Let's talk about some of the wild things they see in the storm. Oh, yeah. They see red spren, strange spren, zipped past their enclosure, red and violet and reminiscent of lightning. Uh, they see the water streaming through the chasm is just completely full of corpses. Uh, yep. And then uh, they see things walking through the storm. Oh, yeah, like a figure that's just, like, unfathomable in height. <laughs> Without fathom. Without fathom. Uh, striding the storm, leg after leg, until the glow passed. Mm-hmm. There were two of them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And what are those? I don't know. Probably not important. Okay. Let's talk to the Stormfather. The winds had stopped. Kaladin could hear his own heartbeat. He's called Child of Honor. Okay. If he's called Child of Honor, he is a Child of Honor, and therefore... Is he getting kicked out of the family? I'm I'm gonna give you a couple things this is like in narnia when people get called a child of adam or a child of eve okay because honor was the god of this world uh-huh. and now honor is dead so, oh so it's not just specifically that kaladin had an honor spren pretty sure that is always how i interpreted it okay but you know what mm-hmm. listeners don't write in i don't want to know well because it's okay it says men cannot be trusted child of tanavast so how could he be child of honor and a child of Tanavest? You can have two parents. <laughs> <laughs> hey, um she had a mother, she had a father. As, as so, so many, many do. do. Have you heard the name Tanavest before? I'm sure. It's one of the heralds. No. No. What is it? I'm gonna rafo this okay. one. Okay. But I think by using a little bit of deduction, honor and Tanavast are probably opposites. I was going to say synonymous. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. Oh, dear. <sighs> listeners, should I just tell her? Yes. Okay, listeners. Sorry. I'm going to just tell her. Tanavast is honor's name. Oh, okay. 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 That's so weird. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) There's, there's... Rafo. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) So anyway, uh, Stormfather has some bad news. Uh, Kaladin asks what he did to Syl, himself, Cal. Mm -hmm. What has Kaladin done to Syl? He is told, you have killed her. You know, and Kaladin is heartbroken. And the Stormfather basically is saying, like, history has repeated itself. It happened like it did before. You've taken her from me. Um, My beloved one. My beloved one. And so, to me, that makes it feel like Syl is one of the more important Spren. Where, if she has a personal relationship with the God of Honor, 
the Stormfather. Thank you. Um, but but Kaladin is just beside himself. You know, how do I? What do I do? How do I fix this? And he's told, "You can't fix this. You're not going to ride my winds again. You're out of the. You're you're, you're out of the herd." I gotta tell you, um, I picture this scene so much like Mufasa talking to Simba. <laughs> Please, I'm not who I used to be. <laughs> So it seems like, you know, because Kaladin has not been able to draw Stormlight, suck it in, anything like that. And here he's, it's confirmed again, like, this will not happen. And this is so interesting because remember uh, when Kaladin gets his arm cut by the the uh, shard blade and it gets fixed really fast. And I'm just like, oh, that's kind of weird that something so big would be fixed so quickly. I'm kind of hoping this doesn't get fixed fast either. You heard it here first, folks. Emily is so glad Syl is dead. No, it's not what I said. She's like, finally. No, I said (laughs) I don't want it to get fixed fast. Not that I don't want it to get fixed at all. Oh, one thing that he asks Stormfather at the very beginning is is he's like, Shallan is one of them, right? Mm -hmm. One of the Knights Radiant, or at least a Surge Binder. That's how we survived. It wasn't me. It was her. So... Mm -hmm. He figured it out. He figured it out. But, uh, yeah. Kaladin is uh, not going to be a Radiant anymore. Kaladin's out. Which, oh, he was supposed to usurp Amaram and show up that dude. And uh, based on the picture you saw on the cover, it looks like he's just going back to a Spearman now. I mean, like a really good one, though. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, it's still okay. <laughs> he's, he's still really amazing. Um, so, Shallan wants to draw whatever vision she saw, mm-hmm. um, but her, her poor drawings, the satchel is waterproof, but I don't know that it's high storm proof. <laughs> so I went to a meeting at Paramount Studios earlier this week, All just right. like a casual catch up with a friend. Just like, uh, I went to the major motion picture studio, just for fun. Listen, we, we invite each other to lunch at each other's studios because it's cool to go on whatever. Uh, he got me a really fancy water from his office, a nice metal bottle and everything. Ooh. And as uh, we, you know, we have our our chat, and it was a lot of fun, and I'm sitting at the, the area by the security gate waiting for my lift, and I put my little backpack on, my little Hercules backpack, and I'm like, this is wet. Oh, no. <laughs> I thought I'd put it in a bottle, but I opened this leather bag and it's full of water (laughs) because the cap came off and i had a sketch like i had a notebook in there and i'd only just written on like the first page of it so anyway i dumped the rest of my water out on the ground but i almost just wore a backpack full of water into my (laughs) lips but anyway so buddy my friend who definitely listens to this podcast uh, I'm so sorry I wasted the cool water that you got me. <laughs> Mom's sending me pictures of my dog. Oh. So anyway, Kaladin is staring at the water oh. and he's thinking about Syl. Mm-hmm. Had he really... Okay. Microphone's back up. Ugh. It's been 84 years since we started <laughs> podcasting. <laughs> So we paused for the landscapers outside, and then by the time the landscapers were finished, I'm like, I hungry. <laughs> so we ordered food, and then the food came, and we stopped to do that. But now we're back. Okay. 
I'm not done with my fortune cookie. Can I chomp it a little bit on yes, the podcast? Yes, you may. Today's a special, special day. <laughs> <laughs> um, my fortune cookie said, speak from the heart. So that's what I'm going to do here on the podcast. <laughs> I said you could chomp it, not talk with it in your mouth. Let's podcast together in the same place, Evelyn says. That'll be fun, she says. Disneyland is overrated. <laughs> Anyway, so the floodwaters have hit, and Shalon falls asleep, curls up to Kaladin, and Kaladin also falls asleep. So, I mean, you have got to be wiped out to fall asleep in somewhere where, like, you're not completely, totally safe. Mm -hmm. Like, I think it just speaks to their whole experience of just, like, it's been a day. So, his boot's squishy. His boot is squishy. He's got to sleep off his leg (laughs) trauma. But, Emily, here is a picture of a chasm fiend. Yeah, it's way bigger than I thought. Yeah. So, what were you picturing before you saw it? Um, more like a crab. Mm -hmm. Crab-like with, like, giant, heavy pincers. Yeah, so like for me, the the face is pretty close to what I was imagining. Mm-hmm. But do you remember in the old movie of the Dark Crystal, mm-hmm. those big black beetle things? Yes, that was the texture I imagined of it. Nice. So I pretty much imagined it as like a you know instead of a long like this, I pictured it as like a smaller crab. Okay. I should try and sketch my my original chasm fiend thought before. That'd be fun. Ugh. So they're just sleeping. They're just having a snooze. And Emily, I'd like you to read the epigraph for True Glory. The Cosmere itself may depend upon our restraint. What does that mean? So, I mean, Wit comes across as a not a great person, but a person more leaning towards good than evil. Although he did say to Dalinar, I will let this world burn to ash to get what I want. See, why are you so hard on Zeth when you've got Wit, who is willing to let the world die? Who says I'm... Wit can't hurt a fly. Wit doesn't kill people with a sword. He will let... How many people are on the world? Are on the... On Roshar. Listen, listen, maybe he talks a big game. Has he let a whole world burn before? See? We don't know. Worse. Worse than Zeth. Emily Ann... Margaret, <laughs> Emily and Margaret Scarlett, <laughs> Cecily Jones Lloyd. <laughs> it's too late. That's cemented in my head. <laughs> Wits a mass murderer. <sighs> Listener, she knows not of what she speaks. But you sound so stupid right now. (laughs) Wit's not a mass murderer. Wit's not even a normal murderer. You started this. You wouldn't let me go to Disneyland. (laughs) Okay. Let's talk about poopy pants Amaram. All right. Uh, so Amaram is trying to get Dalinar and Sadius to come to accommodation agreement before Dalinar takes everyone out onto the battlefield. 
Thank you for giving us the sound effects for MRM's butt. <laughs> uh, so last night's high storm was the last high storm of the season. Before the weeping. Yeah. Okay. No more high storms. No more high storms. No more stormlight. Yeah. So whatever they have, that's all the stormlight they got. So if Zeth shows back up and he sucks it all up, they're in big trouble. <laughs> But he you, he goes through it really fast, so he would also be in trouble. <laughs> Did you have anything you wanted to say about what I just said? No, I just wanted to get my cookies <laughs> out really fast. Oh, uh, well, okay. Dalinar MRM asked, "Will you talk to him?" Careful, Dalinar thought. Don't make any judgments just yet. So we haven't really been in Dalinar's head. Like we this, haven't. This is kind of like the first time in forever. I haven't seen him at a dog's age. <laughs> and so it's interesting that he already has a plan, which we're not going to be privy to. But I know he already has a plan that he's working on. And I'm really hoping it's leaning you- towards... You do not know he has a plan he's working on. You have okay. a plan you hope he's I w- working I, on. Yes, I assume he has a plan he's working towards. I do not know. Um, because, well, you do not give me enough credit. <laughs> Don't make any judgments just yet. This had to be done with precision at his side. Navani eyed him. He shared his plans regarding Amram with her. Listeners, before we go any further, I have to make a public apology. <laughs> To Emily, just now for saying <laughs> you don't know about Dalinar's plan. She was right. I was less That's right. right. <laughs> <laughs> oh. All right. There is a chasm fiend chrysalis coming. And he... They're still trying to run his plan of, like, assigning people to go take care mm-hmm. of it. But uh, it's Sabariel and Royon that are on the yeah and on the Sabariel roster. Sabariel never sends never yeah. sends troops. I think it's funny because Sabariel will just pay the fine to yeah, not do it. To not go. It reminds me of Stardew Valley, like when you farmed, or it's like you know year four or five or six or whatever, and you just if you do it well, you know you have so much money that you're just like, yeah, I'll drop. $10 million on a golden clock that won't ever, like, nothing on my farm will ever break down again. Like, and that's nothing. That's chump change. Like, yeah. Have you bought the $10 million clock? No, I'm going okay. to. <laughs> <laughs> I just, I never build anything that wears down. So I'm like, I don't need that. I save up for the $2 million for the teleportation wand, and that's about it. And that's it. Well... There's a whole new world out there, I suppose. I still haven't done Ginger Island. (gasps) You haven't? It's so fun. She hit me. Did you? I was exclaiming. We're 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 physically affectionate. It's fine. (laughs) Anyway, uh, Sadius is probably going to go after the gem thing instead, Mm -hmm. and Amram is like, "Ugh! Every time you allow him to disobey, it drives a wedge between him and the throne." I just. I'm yes, he betrayed you. Yes, he likely will again. <laughs> but we can't afford to let the two of you go to war. Uh, the Voidbringers are coming. Remember, Dalinar? Remember, I'm in charge of the Radiants who fought the Voidbringers. I'm the King Radiant now. I'm Emperor Radiant. Every time Amaram talks, I am in danger of rolling my eyes so hard I fall out of my chair. Dalinar, 
You appointed me to this position, an impossible position, mind you, with the charge to be a light to all nations. Mm. I'm finding it hard to even get you to listen to me. <laughs> Why should anyone else? <laughs> That's a pretty good baby noise. That's pretty good. By Lord, the plateau! Somebody runs up to them to interrupt this. Yes, Dalinar said, sighing. Sadius is sending our troops. No, sir, the woman said. Not, I mean, he came out of the chasm. Who? <laughs> Stormblast. Everybody knows his name. Everybody knows his name. Uh, this reminds me of the scene at the end of Tangled when the parents run to go meet her. <laughs> because it says that Dalinar ran the whole way. His son, <laughs> his extra, his third son, yeah, is here. And Kaladin looks terrible. Like a surgeon's trying to take care of him, and you know his hair's matted, his legs all torn up. Oh, he still stands up. To me. <laughs> I want to storyboard this too. Okay, do it. <laughs> I give I you permission. I can't. I'm not gonna horn in on someone else's show if someone else makes Stormlight. <laughs> Have you watched The Magicians? Yes. Okay. Have you met the Cassandra character? Mm Mm-hmm. So there's this character in The Magicians that there's a mystical library that has the books of everyone's lives in it. And Cassandra is the one who's locked away, literally writing out everyone's life books. Mm -hmm. And I imagine an ideal world for me is I get locked up somewhere with whatever food I want and whatever internet access I want. But I just get to make fan art storyboards for the next 50 years. <laughs> anyway, uh, Kaladin has brought a couple things for Dalinar. <laughs> One future daughter-in-law delivered safe and sound. Sorry about the damage done to the packaging. But there was a high storm, Dalinar said. I love how, if, to this to me, it feels like Dalinar's trying to state the obvious, thinking that maybe Kaladin will disappear. Because there's no way he could have done this. And Dalinar himself is hallucinating. Like, he's, like, listing out all the reasons why Kaladin should not be here. So, uh, he's in there like, we wanted to get back before that. We ran into some troubles. He's so dramatic. <laughs> you know how everyone said there was a chasm fiend prowling in the nearby chasms? Yes? Kaladin whips his coat open to he's reveal so the giant gemstone. <laughs> we took care of that for you, sir. <laughs> In the blink of an eye, glory spren replaced the exhaustion spren. What is the title of this chapter? True glory. We've seen glory spren multiple times. Uh, Moash, when he picks up his shard blade for the first time. Elokar, when he, quote, wins the race. I think this is the first time we have seen true glory spren. I love it. And that... <laughs> <laughs> cuts his legs out from under him. What does she say? Uh, She says, um, Oh, don't be so melodramatic, Bridgman, Shallan called. Bright Lord Delinar, we found the beast already dead and rotting in the chasm. We survived the high storm by climbing up its back to a crack in the side of the plateau where we waited out the rains. We could only get the gem heart out because the thing was half rotted already. So here, she's explained how they survived and how they got the thing out without a shard blade. Like, She's covered all their bases. Kaladin just goes, yes. <laughs> <laughs> Dalinar knows he's oh, lying. Oh, he totally knows. He says that um, she's an even worse liar than, oh, he was a far worse liar than Shallan was. Which, I wonder if he 
had suspicions about Shalon before this. Like, if he thought she was a liar before this. Oh, I'm... Maybe. Mm-hmm. The way that I read this scene is that Shalon lies very easily and Kaladin can't. So, you know, I think it would be more like, oh, Shalon is a good liar. Oh. Anyway, Navani shows up. What's Navani's reaction? Navani wraps Shalon up in a robe and is like fussing over her. And I'm just like, I knew, I knew, I knew that. Oh, I love them. I love them. She's adopted Shalon. Shalon is part of the clan now. A replacement daughter. A replacement daughter, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Navani pointedly ignored Shalon's protests that none of this was necessary. Uh, Anyway, the battalions are forming up. Getting ready to go on an expedition. <gasps> okay, 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 okay. Hold on. Oh, no, you go. Sorry. Well, I was going to say, uh, guess who doesn't get to go? Kaladin. Kaladin doesn't get to go. No. Because he's super injured and he doesn't have Stormlight to heal him. Mm-hmm. All right, what were you going to say? Oh, I was going to jump ahead a little further. Sorry. Um, All right. Uh, and... Okay, you know I've been mad at Dalinar for, you know, I think he was doing it to protect Kaladin. I think he was throwing Kaladin in jail was to protect him from Elokar because as rotten as Elokar is, he still is the king. And I think if he'd been pushed too far, he would have demanded Kaladin be executed executed to prove that I'm king and I can do whatever I want. Yeah. And so I really liked this scene where... Dalinar gets in my good graces a little bit more because he's like, your men waited for you. Like, you're back. And and he's like, give this man anything he wants. He's a hero. Again. (laughs) Again. But it's like, just like, they are good men, Kaladin said. It's more than that. They knew you would return. What is it they understand about you that I don't? And then Dalinar says, I've been searching for you, haven't I? All this time without seeing it. Kaladin looked away. No, sir. Maybe once, but I'm just what you see and not what you think. I'm sorry. It's sad. The knowledge of the audience is what makes a story a tragedy. Yes. I love that. Yeah. Because, yeah, two days ago, he was exactly who mm-hmm. Dalinar was looking for. Yeah. Being, okay, this is me talking about the Magnus Archives again. Being someone outside the story that knows all of the pieces that the characters don't and being able to see how you could do things differently to change the situation you're in, that's what makes a story a tragedy and not Mm -hmm. just a sad story, is knowing it could have been different and realizing that it's not. So, man, what if Kaladin had come out of the chasm with all his stormlight and still and been like i am radiant well he would have had a much better chance at defeating amaram but as it is i think amaram's oh because okay um where because delinar is just like looking around because he realizes amaram is gone he's just been here and I, now I'm like, because I wasn't worried about Kaladin at this, you know, before this, because I'm like, if Amaram tries anything, Kaladin can just, like, embarrass this dude and show him up and all of this stuff. But if Kaladin doesn't have his ability anymore, 
how is he going to protect himself against a very powerful man like Amaram, who has, I'm sure, access to um, assassins and, you know... Uh, forget about protecting himself from Amaram. What about protecting himself with Sadius? Do we have to worry about Sadius still? Well, Eli is the one who runs all the assassinations in camp. That's true. Do we have to worry about Sadius still? <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's what this chapter was about. <laughs> He's betrayed us before and will betray us again. Um, this is a surprise too. <laughs> so here's here's the thing about Amaranth though that I don't know if we hit on this pretty hard in our White Spine on Case chapters, but Amaranth did not remember who Kaladin was. Until Kaladin Until. stands up. So Amaram now knows who he is. Yeah, Kaladin painted a giant bullseye on yep. him. Anyway, uh, Shalon is camping out in a nest of blankets. Mm-hmm. And she's wearing uh, Navani's dress. She felt like a child in her mother's clothing. That was perhaps exactly what she was. So Shalon has lost four mother figures at this point. Because... Yeah. Her actual mother died when she was a child. Her stepmother was killed. Mm-hmm. Uh, she's lost Yasna, and she's lost Tin. Mm-hmm. And now maybe the fifth time, <laughs> time is a charm. it'll stick. Um, but here's the thing, because Shalon has brought back the proof, the map. Guess who else is back? <gasps> Pattern's back. Pattern's oh, definitely okay. here. Great. Pattern is repeating verbatim uh, a conversation he heard between Navani and Dalinar about... Um, Dalinar taking Shalon to the Shattered Plains with him on this expedition. So and now she gets to talk with Pattern. So I know we didn't see him, his friend Pattern, you know, we didn't see him a lot. Mostly because Shalon asked him to hide from Kaladin. Mm-hmm. Um, and I guess she was thinking about other things while she was cutting the shard blade handholds. Mm-hmm. Uh, but... She's listening to Pattern repeat Navani and Dalinar's conversation. Mm-hmm. He held her at this point and whispered some things I did not hear. From there, they got very close and made some interesting noises. I can reproduce... No, Shalon said. <laughs> I love Pattern. Uh, so, she asks Pattern, am I a radiant? Or, I'm not a radiant, right? Mm-hmm. Well, he says, I do not think so, not yet. There is more to do, I believe. But again, he doesn't remember everything. Read his paragraph that says, I was not me when the night's radiant existed. I was not me when the night's radiant existed. It is complex to explain. It is complex to explain. I have always existed. We are not born as men are, and we cannot truly die as men do. Um. Um. Mm. Oh, sorry, you read that a little wrong. We cannot truly die as Yasna did. No. <laughs> You're terrible. Well, that's what it says in my, in my first special edi- edition. First edition. <laughs> uh, patterns are eternal, as is fire, as is the wind, as are all spread. Yet I was not in this state. I was not aware. So then I don't think Syl really is dead. I think maybe she just like, had too much power sucked out of her and can't, like, properly manifest. Like, maybe she got sent back to the Spren realm. Just thrown in the big soup. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, surely there are others among you, Shalon said, older cryptics, who were alive back then. No, Pattern said softly, none who experienced the bond. Mm-hmm. 
Okay, so to us, this means they are mindless as a force cannot be destroyed. Those old ones are patterns in nature now, like cryptics unborn. We have tried to restore them. It does not work. Mm -hmm. Mm. Perhaps if their knights still lived, something could be done. An entire people just killed. Sorry, we're just, I'm sorry we're just like reading this chapter, but this is a (laughs) lot of great information here. Mm -hmm. Not just one people, Pattern said solemn. Many. Spren with mines were much less plentiful then, and the majorities of several Spren peoples were all bonded. There were very few survivors. The one you call Stormfather lived. Stormfather was bound to someone at some point. Okay. Like, he was a radiant Spren at some point. Okay. Some others. The rest of us, though, were killed when the event happens. You call it the Recreants. Oh! So humanity... The Knights Radiant before bonded hundreds, hundreds of Spren. And when the Knights broke their oaths, we've seen when they broke their oaths and laid down their swords and laid down their armor, Mm -hmm. all of the Spren were destroyed. Their sentience was destroyed. Okay. Maybe this is getting too philosophical. Uh We've never done a philosophy tangent on this before. I'm thinking like the whole the whole Zeth thing, the way that you know he was right, but now he's finding out who he's lied to, and you've got these Spren who are bonded to the Knights Radiant, who all suddenly decided the O's they took no longer either no longer matter or whatever. What's that about? What if they never mattered in the first place? The Spren wouldn't have bonded to them. So why did they have to die? So that's a big Rafo. Okay, <laughs> but. One thing I will say is Spren are not drawn to a true thing. They are not drawn to actual glory. They are drawn to the emotion of glory. Okay. So if if these old radiants felt they were doing the right thing, mm-hmm. the Spren would have been drawn to that. Oh, okay. And as the radiants apparently became mass convinced they were in the wrong, mm-hmm. it destroyed the Spren. Okay. So. Okay. Uh, there's a little more about Pattern. Um, Pattern is certain Shallan will kill. Him. Him. Yep. Uh, but the opportunity is worth the cost. Mm-hmm. Oh, coming to this place, this world of yours, I had to give up many things. The transition was traumatic. My memory returns slowly, but I am pleased at the chance. So, Shallan is looking for a pathway to Eurythiru. And she knows that only a Radiant could do it. And she's like, ugh, hopefully I will be enough of a Radiant to make it work. So then, oh, Pattern says, Shalon has said the words. You said them long ago. Hey, Emily, what? So I think, because he, he talked about being with her in her family's garden. So I think something big happened. Maybe that's when she got the sword. And said the words. <sighs> but she, she didn't. A, sorry. The shard blade. Does, yeah, why did she get a sword for saying the words? Oh, I I don't know. That just okay. seems like they're connected somehow. Okay. So. That's a, that's a, hold on to that. Because we did know that all the shard blades belonged to Radiance before. Mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. who would have given her the sword? Where does the, where do shard blades come from? We haven't found that out yet. Well, they can't make any. They can't reproduce them. I know, I guess in the past it was her mom, and I think that, I think that's still true, 
Um, just because Shalon like hasn't given us any information about it, and and she deliberately is not thinking about it. Uh-huh. And so yeah. All right. Well, now she gets to reunited, and it feels so good. <laughs> hey, who's here? It's Angelin, and he's just like sweeps in dramatically, and they kiss, and it's wonderful. Yeah, he's he's just trying to hold her. And she's like, ah, 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 and she turns her head and is like, it's kissing time. <laughs> and he's like, great, it's kissing time. Um, I love this. He grabbed her in another hug and laughed that barking, exuberant laugh of his. A real laugh, the one of which she was so fond. Golden retriever, yes. literal boy, barking a laugh that can't have been coincidental. Uh-huh. Uh, pictures to draw for you, Shalon said. I saw a chasm feed. <laughs> oh, well, this sweet moment turns a little sour where he's like, mm-hmm. I won't let it happen again. Nothing like that. I'll protect you. And immediately I just thought of like Shalon's father's library of just being locked up there. And I think she did too. Um, don't say things like that. She hissed. And he's like, what? And she's like, just don't. She says, I will worry about what I wish to worry about. I don't need to be protected. I won't be locked away again. And he's like, again? Again. (laughs) Uh, And then she says, oh, it's not important. Ugh. Uh, But she, Shalon is determined. She's like formed a new core memory where she's like, no one will hide me away or lock me up again. Yeah. 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 She's determined. (sighs) Well, Shalon wants to come on the expedition. So Dalinar and Navani come in and... So Shalon gets to go on the expedition, but Kala Din doesn't. Yeah. And she makes a, a request or a suggestion to Dalinar mm-hmm. that is to leave the Parshman behind in the war camp. Yeah. And she's like, I can't really tell you why. But she says Yasna felt that they were dangerous. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I don't know that they would have listened to her 100% had she not pulled Yasna's name into it. So... Dalinar says okay. Well, also because Adolin pipes in, she's told me some of it, Father, you should listen to her. And so, like, I mean, Shalon just kind of went from, like, pulling away from Adolin, like, don't lock me up again, to, like, he's backing her up. Like, and I was so glad. I, I think if this had been, like, any other sort of, like, YA story, you know, a, a modern YA story, I think she might have spent some of this scene comparing Adolin and Kaladin. Yeah. And who would be better or blah, 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 blah. And I just really appreciated that she was just so happy to see Adolin. Like, she really likes him. Oh, now two boys want my kisses. This must be how Katniss felt. <laughs> All right. That brings us to the end of part four. Yep. So, Emily. Yes. I'm going to tell you what part five is about. Oh, no. Okay. I'm so worried. Part five is the expedition out onto the plains. Okay. Oof. The whole thing? Rafo. <laughs> I guess I deserve that. <laughs> that is where we're going to wrap this episode today. Uh, for That's where our reading ends today. we got to go back and look at the heralds, though. So, Emily, whomster the heralds for 72? Okay, it is the um, hood, the helmeted guy. And mm-hmm. is that Naylin? The helmet is Tanavat. Oh. Sorry. The guy who came back, Tom. I thought that was... That That's was... Kalak. Oh, okay. Kalak's the little Listen, boy. Listen, it's been a long time. It has, and you did good. 
<laughs> okay, so that is Tom, the warrior, and Kalak, who is about... My brain's like bondage, and I'm like, that's not it. <laughs> Remember that one time we recorded live at Dragon Con and how cool that was? Yeah, that was pretty good. Kalak, his attributes are being resolute and being a builder. So this is when they are down in the... Chasm. Chasms. Fighting the chasm fiend. Trying to survive. Building a relationship. And, and resolving not to die. <laughs> it's uh, 73. It's two hooded figures. And the hooded figure is... Nalen. And he represents justice. Yeah, so this is Shalon taking out her dad. Mm-hmm. Do you think that was justice? Yes. Okay. I do. Um, I don't think she needed anyone's permission mm-hmm. to, I say, punish him for his crimes. She was also protecting herself. Her brothers, her brothers oh, yeah. herself, um, and realized that, like, I mean, her dad went so far this time. He, I mean, you sh- he went too far every time, but I, I do think that was justice. Um, I do. All right. Uh, chapter 74, Striding a Storm. We have a woman with her hair going up in all directions. The, the, the? Nope. Nope. Shoot. P- Paula. Yeah. All right. Uh, although... You said Vev, and that is the hooded figure is Vev. <laughs> so Vev is the uh, woman with a hood, and Paula is the hair going all directions. So Vev uh, represents loving and healing, mm-hmm. and Paula is about being learned and giving. And I think healing and giving is about the two of them talking, getting to talk about their past with each other. Yeah, yeah. Ugh. And then true glory, we've got Yezrian uh-huh. and Vev. Yes, she's back. So Yezrian is about protecting and leading the image of a king. And I, I think he's here to represent Dalinar this time. Nice. All right. And and also, I think he's here a bit to represent um, Kaladin. Mm-hmm. Coming back to life. To quote, Bring me back to Wake life. me up. <laughs> uh, still listen to Stormlight Archive? I'm sure she will. Okay. You will probably be done at this point of the Magnus Archive. I sort of do a Magnus Archive quote. <laughs> and, you know, goes down into a coffin for three days and comes back out looking like some grubby Jesus. <laughs> so that's, that's Kaladin. That's Kaladin. Ugh. All right, now I'm going to read you the letter. Okay. So in part one, uh, in, in the last book, uh, there was a letter um, from Hoyd to someone. And at this point, the letter is from this person written back to Hoyd. So I'm going to read to you the second letter. Mm-hmm. I'll address this letter to my old friend, as I have no idea what name you're currently using. Have you given up on the gemstone now that it is dead? And do you no longer hide behind the name of your old master? Mm-hmm. I am told that in your current incarnation, you've taken a name that references what you presume to be one of your virtues. <laughs> this is, I suspect, a little like a skunk naming itself for its stench. 
Now, look what you've made me say. You've always been able to bring out the most extreme in me, old friend, and I do still name you a friend for all that you weary me. Yes, I am disappointed. (laughs) Perpetually, as you put it. Is the destruction we have wrought enough? The worlds you now tread bear the touch and design of adenalsium. Our interference so far has brought nothing but pain. Mm. My path has been chosen very deliberately. Yes, I agree with everything you've said about race, including the severe danger he presents. However, it seems to me that all things have been set up for a purpose, and if we, as infants, stumble through the workshop, we risk exacerbating, not preventing, a problem. Race is captive. He cannot leave the system he now inhabits. His destructive potential, therefore, is therefore inhibited. Whether this was Tanavast's design or not. Oh, interesting. Millennia have passed without race taking the life of another of the 16. While I mourn for the great suffering race has caused, I do not believe we could hope for a better outcome than this. He bears the weight of God's own divine hatred, separated from the virtues that give it context. He is what we made him to be, old friend, and that is what he, unfortunately, wished to become. I suspect that he is more a force than an individual now, despite your insistence to the contrary. That force is contained and an equilibrium reached. You, however, have never been a force for equilibrium. You tow chaos behind you like a corpse, dragged by one leg through the snow. Please hearken to my plea, leave that place, and join me in my oath of non-intervention. The Cosmere itself may depend upon our restraint. Hey, let's have some... I have a thought about the setter first off. Okay. When he mentions that he is more a force than an individual now, Mm -hmm. it reminded me of what Pattern said, that when a spren dies, they return to being like a force throughout the universe. Mm, Okay. So that's made me think of that. Well, it's interesting if... Well, because they're like, yes, Ray's is contained. And so he can't get out. He can't take another of the... Did he say 16? Yeah. Okay. In... Sorry, in Hoyt's letter, mm-hmm. he mentioned that Aona and Skye are both dead, mm-hmm. um, and that Race did it. Race did it. Because here's the thing, though. If the guy is is cautioning Wit against interference, that almost seems like it's at like, cross-purposes, because they've got to keep Race where he is. Yeah, so, so in this letter, he claims that wherever Race is, he's contained... And everything's at an equilibrium right now, and we should just leave things as they are. Okay. Uh, the song this week is We Hold Each Other by A Great Big World. <gasps> I love it. And it's in uh, Kaladin and Shalon holding each other. Yes. Uh, something happens when I hold him. He keeps my heart from being broken. Uh... When the days get long and the nights get a little bit frozen, we hold each other. There you go. Next week, we are just reading the interludes. Nice. And you know two of the three names in the interludes. We're reading all all the interludes. We're splitting it up. We're reading all the interludes. So we have Lon, L-H-A-N, and that's a character you haven't met, Eshenai, and Taravangian. (gasps) Oh, I'm so excited. (laughs) Now, because I want the listeners to hear your reaction, I'm going to make you double excited because Lon, who's a part of the first interlude, mm-hmm. we're going to learn a bit about what's happening in Kolinar. <gasps> and we're going to find out what Elokar's secret wife is like, too. Yes! <laughs> 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 
It's going to be so much fun. So uh, we're going to turn off this, take a break. Emily's going to read. I'm going to pick up a couple things. And we're just going to record another episode right Here away. Here we go. Oh, and Emily, I believe in you. I believe in you. All right, ready? Ready, break. A big thank you to everyone who has joined us for My Sister Made Me View It, the Words of Radiance Stormlight Archive episode that we just had. It has been so much fun recording these with Megan. And Megan, I am sorry we didn't go to Disneyland, but wouldn't you agree this was so much fun as well? I think this and Disneyland are equal in my mind of how much I love this. <sighs> Anyways, y'all, today has been... A day. It has been a day. I am done for the day. I'm so happy about that. Uh, but I wanted to let you guys know and remind you that Dragonsteel Con is open for sign up. So get in there, go sign up, come to the con. We would love to see you. I don't know if Megan and I are going to do an episode this year or not, but even if we don't, this is such a fun convention and I will get to I will get to understand so many more inside jokes this year and I'm so excited and I'm so excited to see everyone dressed up in their costumes. It is not a Stormlight themed year this year, but I think people can come dressed up in whatever Brandon Sanderson whatever Brandon It's been a day. Stop it. It's been a day. Just come. As the author intended. That's all. That's all I'm trying to say. <laughs> Anyways, if you enjoyed today's episode, great. That's the whole point of this. But uh, come join us next week on July 15th, where we're going to put out our next Roswell episode. We are into Roswell season three. Megan is so excited because we're getting to the end of this and she'll never have to watch Roswell again. But uh, in the meantime, we've been watching that show and been recording our thoughts about it and I'm having so much fun and then the week after that on July 22nd uh no oh my gosh I'm so sorry it's still June come on June 15th don't wait until July 15th come on June 15th listen to our Roswell episode and then come join us on June 22nd where you're gonna hear the next Words of Radiance episode uh which uh, Meg and I recorded a ton while we were in California and then we had to pause so that we could do we did a live words of reading oh my gosh oh my gosh everyone please stay with me please please don't jump ship we did a word of radiance live reading for the end of words of radiance and we did record that and I'm not going to tell you what we were reacting to in case you don't know because I don't want to spoil the surprise but just know I loved it I loved it I loved it it was very good for me so when we get to the end of words of radiance we will post uh, my live reaction to Megan reading me something that happens at the end of words of radiance so you have all that to look forward to um a very special thanks to Michael Biancardi for the use of his song a passing storm Michael, I know we've said this before, but it's freaking amazing. We love it, and we use it for all of our podcasts. Uh, Meg and I have also recorded a miscellaneous feed where we have posted, we'd finished and posted 
uh, our flag means death. We are currently in the middle of recording One to Watch. It's a book by Kate Stamen London. And then afterwards, we are going to post The Guest, which is like a Korean horror TV show one. And so that's what you guys have to look forward to with that as well. Oh, you guys are the best. Seriously, I don't know how we got so lucky to have you wonderful people, but everyone is so nice and so wonderful, and we appreciate all of the positive interactions we've had with everyone, and thank you for the ratings and reviews. Just seriously, like, Meg and I would do this anyway, but it's just really nice to know that this brings people joy. Like, that's that's kind of why we did this in the first place. We're just dumb sisters hanging out doing dumb things watching dumb shows and anyways just having dumb conversations and it's just I'm just glad people like it as well so thank you we love you I'm serious you guys lift our spirits it's so fun to interact with you and meet you and uh, it's just great so I hope you know you are appreciated by us and we appreciate having you in our lives and as I wrap this up, I just want you to remember something and it's that we believe in you.